0: welcome to the future of risk podcast from zurich north america hi i'm renee koa joining us today to discuss the challenges and opportunities for automotive dealerships in this time of incredible change is vince Sanavasi, head of direct markets at zurich vince thanks for joining us
1: thanks renee it's great to be with you
0: well i'm going to start by saying zurich is celebrating its hundredth year of service to the auto industry And when I think about that, I wanted to ask you from your perspective, if this industry has experienced as many challenges in the 98 years prior to the past two years with a pandemic, a supply chain crisis, a great resignation, and that's just three things.
1: Yeah, that's just a couple, right? So yeah, uh, great question. I mean, uh, the great thing about Zurich right now, I mean, we're celebrating 150 years as an insurance company and 100 years um, a service to the auto industry, and and really, if you talk about change uh, for auto dealers specifically, for us, it started in 1922 when a group of Ford dealers couldn't get insurance for their dealerships, and so that's how Universal Underwriters was founded. And then Zurich eventually purchased Universal Underwriters. So we've experienced, you know, a tremendous amount of change over the last hundred years from the Great Depression to World War II, and really all of the changes within the auto industry. And I think there's been a lot over the last 20 years, but certainly over the last two years. So look, we're accustomed to handling change. We are a risk mitigation and a risk company. So we understand change, we understand how to look at it, and certainly we've witnessed so many changes over the last century. But we've been here for car dealers since just after the Model T was built, and now, uh, through the first electric vehicle rolling off the assembly line, so you know I think what the key for us has always been is that we're a proactive company, not a reactive company. And I know an insurance company is supposed to be there on your worst day, and and for that we are there. Um, but from an F and I perspective, um, and a growth perspective, and a change in the industry, we need to be thought leaders in order to be prepared for the challenges. And even before you know the pandemic, which obviously has been the biggest challenge over the last couple of years. Uh, We were preparing for changes in the industry, and certainly when this pandemic hit, we were not, although it was a a challenge and obviously a a tough time for everyone, we were prepared to continue business in a different way.
0: Well, I want to follow up with that. How does a company prepare for risks it wouldn't predict in a million years?
1: The first thing for us was, I guess it always has been. We talk to our customers and we find out where they think they're heading. What's their vision? Where are they going? How is their business changing so that we can help prepare them? And so certainly when you think about the way customers prefer to buy cars or a good number of them prefer to buy cars, maybe it's a little different now than it was 10 years ago and certainly 20 years ago. And so when you think about just the online education and perhaps purchasing the vehicle online completely, how do we help our dealers from a digital marketing standpoint, because the customer may not be in the showroom or virtual training for their employees. So one of the biggest issues to hit when, when the pandemic came was dealers were shut down. I mean, they couldn't open their doors in many parts of the country. So in March and April of 2020, we worked with our customers virtually on how to deliver cars and sell F and I products, you know, in this virtual environment. And, uh, if we weren't preparing for that, if we weren't preparing for a different way to do business, we would have been way behind. And so, it helped quite a bit. And our customers have done quite well, uh, certainly during the pandemic. And now, as we start to come out of the pandemic, they're open to different ways to do business. And I think the customers, the end customer, the car purchaser, is much more grateful for the way that works as well.
0: Well, that makes a lot of sense. And Vince, F and I finance and insurance
1: yeah sorry Renee. finance and insurance products so when you think about those products it could be a vehicle service contract so uh, if the manufacturer provides three years worth of warranty coverage um, can you have a five-year or six-year service contract because you're planning on keeping the car but those products that help the consumer protect their investment is the way i would think of f and i or finance and insurance products
0: Okay, that makes sense. And and Vince, I do want to talk more about the distribution model and the digital transformation, but just to note what's happening in the world today, I was reading that the global supply chain for cars now maybe has peaked, but now there's a war in Ukraine. And it was interesting when you and I talked because I had no idea that could also impact supply chain.
1: Yeah, I mean, first of all, Renee certainly the tragedy for the people of Ukraine, and and certainly we're keeping them all in our thoughts and prayers, but um, as it relates to what they do from a business perspective and from an automotive perspective, you know, US semiconductor companies making chips are certainly gonna be impacted. Neon and palladium, which is used in the production of chips uh, is gonna be impacted. The Ukraine and Russia are huge suppliers there. And so uh, where we think, you know, the chip shortage Um, maybe getting a little bit better. I think based on what we're seeing there, we know there's going to be an impact and it's not going to be a favorable one first. And then secondly, um, we just came back from the National Automobile Dealer Association or NADA show in Las Vegas. And I think a lot of the dealers um, came out of their manufacturer meetings concern that inventory, even though it started to improve, is starting to kind of plateau once again and maybe even go in another direction. So there's certainly going to be inventory shortages throughout the spring and into the
0: summer. That's good to know. And speaking of the NADA show, what was the overall sentiment from the dealers you talked to?
1: I would say the overall sentiment was absolute happiness that they were back together in one place, face-to-face, really an optimistic environment of, you know, things have been, even though during the pandemic it's been challenging, they've experienced record profits. At the same time, I would say there's cautious optimism. I mean, th- they know that they've done very well, but they also, that there's there's these challenges that are still there. The continuing inventory crisis is not gonna go away there's um, record loan levels, both in amount and payment, um, because the price of cars has gone up. So as we think about down the road a little bit, trading customers out of that might be a little bit more challenging. Um, but but so much opportunity there. And again, I think just for people getting back to a little bit about the way we used to do business and used to interact was refreshing for sure.
0: That's that's great. and. You know, talking about the profits, high consumer demand, limited inventory, that really did translate into um, bigger profits. But you've pointed out there are risks there as well. Could you elaborate on those?
1: Yeah, certainly. Reputationally, there's some concern there. So there's, you know, MSRP or manufacturer's suggested retail price on new vehicles. And, you know, certainly with the demand being high and the inventory shortage impacting dealers, you know, are certainly been areas where there's been you know, markups over MSRP, and in some cases, what you may consider excessive markups. So I know the FTC and some consumer credit organizations are receiving complaints about pricing, but I think there's been some complaints more recently about forcing customers to finance their vehicles with the dealer and not selling them the car if they're paying cash. So there's some regulatory issues that come up here and and dealers need to be aware of, certainly it's okay to be profitable, but let's make sure we're doing it the right way. And I would just caution them that there's some things that they need to pay attention to for sure.
0: Do you have any tips for them about, you know, helping them avoid being vulnerable to exposures like this?
1: Sure, we talked about, you know, being proactive and not reactive. So mm-hmm. they can certainly reach out to firms that specialize in compliance. I always say on the road to compliance, there's still money to be made because it it forces a process. And as you continue that process, you get better at the process. And so um, review of your deals to deals, meaning auto deals and the paperwork by an objective party to really monitor, is the process being followed? Is there consistency in interest rates being charged for loans? for product presentation, for pricing, all of those different areas um, process could be put in place and accountability steps as well. And then dealers should be revisiting, you know, employee training protocols, making sure that they offer training both in person and online or virtually to make sure that they're consistent and that there's no ambiguity that creeps into the buyer seller relationship.
0: That makes a lot of sense. That's great, thank you. Now, I wanted to kind of pivot to an article you wrote for Automotive News last year, and you outlined a lot of major trends. And maybe it's not a surprise that cyber attacks are a huge risk, but I guess I didn't see them as a growing risk for automotive dealers. Could you elaborate on the problem there?
1: Yeah, certainly, Renee. Last spring, I sat with four uh, auto dealers three of them had had cyber attacks within the past 90 days. Wow! Two of them had shut down their stores, computer systems completely. All of them had ransom demanded from them. So um, it was certainly a serious impact uh, to their business. But when you think about, you know, an auto dealership, there's financial information that's stored on computer systems. There's customer information that's stored there and these cyber attacks occur quickly, it's really difficult for dealers to keep track of all of the emerging risks as it relates to cyber, what their exposures are, and then really what their solutions are. And so I think we've certainly talked to our customer council, which is a group of dealers we get together frequently and and say to them, okay, if a cyber attack happens, what do you do? And the scary part for us has been most of the responses were, I'm not sure. And so you think about the concern there, um, but there's also, you know, aside from the financial and customer information, there's that reputational risk as well. And so this is not just a problem for for large banks or large multinational companies. This is an issue for mid midsize and smaller companies as well as, as the larger ones
0: so what when the dealer says i'm not sure <laughs> what do you say do you have some general tips you can share
1: Yeah, i mean the first thing is we can assist them with assessing you know their risks and so there's our risk engineers or risk mitigation team that you know we can work with some others in the cyber industry mm-hmm. to really help assess the risk and then put a playbook in place that includes what are the strategies who do you call how do you minimize damage and how do we get their businesses back online as quickly as possible so you know we feel like we need to play a key role in this i mean it's fine to go out and say hey i need to get cyber insurance in case this happens but cyber insurance is not cheap it's increasing as far as the uh, pricing goes and really uh, i think for us for sure and for our customers we'd rather not have an attack then worry about what we have to do after the fact. So what are the steps that we can take? And, and certainly it starts with an assessment.
0: That makes a lot of sense. Um, and I actually just read an article. I'm glad you mentioned the mid-sized and smaller companies because the FBI has said they are increasingly at risk because they're easy to get into. So um, great point. Now- yeah, Renee,
1: Just to follow up on that real quick, yeah. last fall, we had a meeting with some of our agents, brokers, customers and we had uh, a retired FBI agent as well as someone that identified themselves as a hacktivist. And they talked about just how vulnerable uh, companies are, but even individuals sitting in their homes. And so um, to reemphasize, this goes from one person sitting in an apartment all the way up to the largest company you can possibly think of. Everyone can be at risk here and need to take some steps.
0: Great, great point. Now, I'm moving on to um, shortages. We talked about the chip shortage, but I wondered if you would weigh in on the labor shortage and how it's impacting auto dealers.
1: Right. That's a great question. I mean, certainly we're seeing it across the board. I mean, you can call it the great resignation or, um, you know, people don't want to come back to work or whatever you want to call it. But certainly, it's very difficult to hire and retain employees right now in In so many industries, and certainly auto industry is no different there. I would say, both in the sales department and the service department, there's some there's some serious shortages there. And so you know it forces dealers to overpay people in some instances just to retain their salespeople or service personnel. And with sales, the way you compensate today, given the inventory shortage is completely different than how they were compensated in the past or maybe it should be if it's not being contemplated. So uh, dealers really need to take a look at how do they retain their employees? How do they compensate them to, to obviously help with retention? And really in the service area, it's the same thing, especially with the introduction of more and more electric vehicles rolling off the line.
0: You mentioned that dealers have to get creative like any business. And you mentioned apprenticeship programs is one avenue for that. I'll let you talk about the program at Zurich because I thought that it was pretty interesting.
1: We work with dealers all the time to help them, you know, keep their employees engaged and keep them, you know, on staff. But some of the keys I would just say for dealers, and I'll touch on the apprenticeship program in a, in a second, but okay. it's to keep them engaged, to keep them challenged, to continuously give them a career path. And that includes providing training, giving them different growth opportunities, providing greater work-life balance. Maybe it's a shortened work week or reduced hours. We even talk to some that are contemplating either four-day work weeks. They're contemplating um, sabbaticals for after a number of years in service or employed. Um, So think about, you know, the employee that worked five years and now they get a 30 or 60-day sabbatical. I mean, in the past, the only way you got 30 days off is if you quit or got fired and then you started a new job so (laughs) it's, it's a completely different way of looking at how to retain employees and so i think that's going to be critical as we move forward from a zurich standpoint yes we started an apprenticeship program first of all we've had an apprenticeship program at zurich for years we have an internship program as as well what's unique now is that zurich in the automotive space has started an apprenticeship program and we're going to hire individuals and have them complete their associate's degree. So the Zurich will pay for their education. We will also employ them. They'll get paid with benefits. And what's great about this is they're they'll do rotation through we we have um, we have individuals that are slated for a sales apprenticeship program where they will do rotations through the Zurich sales uh, team as well as our customers in the auto dealerships. And so, our goal at the end of the two years, first, it's that they have an associate's degree. But secondly, it's that they're either employed with Zorich at the end of this or they're employed with one of our customers in auto dealership. So for us, it's really exciting. I mean, I think this is what we love to do. We love to develop people. And certainly in the automotive space, dealers have been doing this a long time, have been contributing to the community for a long time by employing people. And this is one way that Zorich can help.
0: It's just a terrific program, and I think this extension to the automotive space is really creative. Um, and I'm pivoting again, Vince. I've been pivoting a lot, Sorry about that. but um, okay. now I'm going <laughs> I'm going back to that digital world that we talked about and how the distribution model has really experienced a sea change. People are so comfortable buying things online. now they're, buying their cars online. And you mentioned how challenging it is for dealers, but I'm guessing it can be a real opportunity too, if they're willing to change.
1: Yeah, certainly. I mean, when you think about the way a customer has purchased a car over the years, even if you go back five years, 10 years ago, um, it was pretty much one path. You know, you either called a dealership, you scheduled an appointment, you came in, um you test drove and you went through a negotiation process and eventually you buy it and then you go through the, the you know finance process or paperwork process um it was kind of one path and I think historically this business has been a face-to-face business and I still believe it is to some extent it's that when is the face-to-face going to happen so more and more consumers do their education their research online that's certainly happening but now you get into how far down the process of buying will they actually do online? I mean, you can see Tesla certainly has, has changed things up. Now you see Rivian um, as well, where you, you, know, you order the car online, but the manufacturers that have been around for a long, long time um, and dealers are working together to make sure that they have a process in which a customer can buy a car any way they prefer to buy a car so if they want to come in and they want to meet a salesperson and and go down that path they absolutely can do that if they want to take a different approach and and do some research and and put their information in and put their trade in and get a price online and then stop there, they can do that. And and then somebody from the dealership might engage them. If they want to go a little further and they want to say, yes, I want to buy or I want to order, they can do that. And then if they want to do the paperwork online, in a lot of cases, they can do that. So it's can we be adaptable um, as an industry, cater to the end consumer on how they want to buy a car and how they want to interact with us. And I think the answer is yes. And I think dealers and the manufacturers are starting to do a really, really good job here. Part of it was forced by the pandemic. But again, as I mentioned earlier, part of that was some of that work that everybody has done up up front. I think we've done a nice job of that, of of really trying to see what the future looks like and be ready for it. And uh, we did. And so um, once they're done the research and they're ready to go buy a vehicle, I think we're ready for however they want to do that.
0: And I don't think many dealers are resisting this anymore, but are there any tips you have for improving how they approach their online sales?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that's the great mystery to some extent is what does the digital sales process look like? And um, there's so many software companies and manufacturers and everybody trying to find out exactly what the secret is there, but it's really just finding new pathways for distribution. And um, and then how many different sales processes are there? So how are consumers buying the car now? How are they buying up an product? It's an opportunity for us, all of us in the industry, to find new ways to sell our products. And so certainly when you think about the distribution piece and how dealers look at this, um, as I mentioned, the pandemic certainly forced everyone into a different mindset The question is, as we come out of this, does it continue? And I think in the short term with limited inventory, it's not gonna be as difficult to sell a vehicle because the demand is so high. But if you're not thinking about your process longer term, then you're gonna get caught a little bit flat-footed when inventory does come back.
0: And that really does speak back to you saying you have to be proactive and ready for whatever you're gonna confront in the future. And speaking of the future, I think we can't not talk about sustainability as a number one priority for businesses of all kinds. Um, For automobile dealerships, you know, it was hybrids, but now electric vehicles or EVs, they've become the new hot topic, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think certainly in the last couple of weeks with gas prices going up, it's definitely been a hot topic coming back from the NADA convention in Las Vegas, where EVs were talked about, home charging stations, um, roadside assistance for EVs, a lot of discussion around, around EVs. And certainly as we think about that at Zurich, um, you know, as a insurance company, I mean, we've embraced sustainability and we announced um, in the fall that we were committing to a, a number of different ways to reduce carbon footprint. Right. Uh, But from an EV standpoint, I think if you looked back maybe three or four years ago, you would say this change is not going to come that fast. I think Tesla certainly pushed the needle a little bit and and got people really starting to think about that. Um, But certainly now as we think about the manufacturers, um, traditional manufacturers have really bought in and they're really pushing this product. And there's some great things coming uh and uh, already out and now coming in the next couple of years you're just going to see this huge influx of electric vehicles and so i think for dealers it's a great time to be an auto dealer because it's challenging it's fun it's different but everything from how are customers going to buy electric vehicle is it going to be different than when they buy an internal combustion or how do we offer vehicle protection products to cover some of the costs on these electric vehicles is it different than the gas-powered vehicles. So there's a lot going on there. So one of the ways in which Zurich is helping f- from a sustainability standpoint is we're looking at our fleet vehicles that we use all over the world, including the United States, and really trying to move from gas-powered to electric vehicles. Things like serving local and seasonal food in our offices where we have restaurants, uh, moving to paperless communication with our customers. So think about, you know, statements that we used to mail out, or even our brochures that were paper are now digital, and, and really trying to make sustainability part of our day-to-day choices on a regular basis as we move forward.
0: That's great, and it's really an example for every business moving forward. But overall Vince, it just feels like there's so much that's changing. Do you have any parting advice for anybody in any business to consider?
1: Don't resist change. I mean, I I think anytime there's a change in the industry or or even a problem, um, you have to look at this as it's an opportunity for growth. It's an opportunity to be better. It's an opportunity to change your skill sets. It's an opportunity for you to look at the employees that you're hiring today with diversity of thought and longer term, What's your business going to look like? And do we need to start hiring and putting processes in place for what it's going to look like two or three years down the road? So much change going on and you can sit back and say, I'll I'll wait till it's over, but then it's too late and (laughs) something else is changing. So look, you just take the optimistic point of view and say, you know, this change is going to be a challenge, but from this, we're going to be a better company. We're going to be more talented individuals, and we're going to have some tremendous growth opportunities throughout.
0: Well, I think that's good advice for all of us. So I appreciate that, Vince. And thanks so much for sharing all these great insights.
1: My pleasure, Renee. Thanks for the time and the opportunity for me. Future of Risk, presented by Zurich North America. If you like the show, we'd appreciate it if you left a comment or review wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Let us know what you think at media at zurichna.com and join us next week.